0: Hello! Hello. How was, uh, how was the wilderness? The
1: wilderness? What, you mean my journey here?
0: No, I just thought you got back from 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness from the size of the bag that you brought with you today.
1: Oh. <laughs> what is that? Uh. Look, I'm going to explain. Okay. I've got a normal-sized rucksack that I use. You don't, you know. What? No, That's no, That's not... Oh, a no, no, no. no, different
0: way to a different My one. standard rucksack
1: yes. that I use day-to-day is a normal size. Mm. However, as you can see, it's pouring mm. with rain outside. My standard rucksack is just canvas... Be drenched, everything would get wet inside. So I rummaged around Tom's work bags, and he's a cameraman. And I and, fa- and he
0: works on those David Attenborough documentaries where <laughs> he goes away for months <laughs> at a time into very remote parts of the world. Is that, that why he needs a bag like that? What
1: is this? Come on. Is it that weird? Yeah. It's got a laptop pocket I really like. Anyway, it's waterproof. It's got a laptop pocket. Oh, I thought
0: that was one of those things where you um, put a satellite in for talking <laughs> to the base station.
1: <laughs> it's just a normal... Slightly bigger than average rucksack.
0: I thought either that rucksack is enormous or she's shrunk. I thought the, <laughs> the rain had shrunk you. Oh. I thought that's what had happened. Yeah. Oh, it's awful this weather, isn't it? It's not good. It's not good. I don't know if you noticed, but like something going on with my guttering out the back where um, there's like, all this water cascading out of it. So the other day I got the stepladders, went up. Ooh, and manly. then when I got to the top of the stepladders, I thought. I'm at the top of step letters. I now have no idea oh, what to do oh, apart from look at it. Oh unless there's been a dead pigeon or something in there. Right. Um, You're not
1: supposed so, to clear them of leaves. Is that not the thing I didn't you do? not see any leaves. Never done it. No. I
0: so um, yeah, I'm probably going to get someone around.
1: Yeah.
0: Somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, what else? Have you noticed anything different about me?
1: Yeah, you've had your beard shaved, though.
0: I am. Um, well, and mustache.
1: Oh, what was it before? It's hard to keep track of my beard. So sometimes I mustache.
0: I generally have a beard and mustache and have oh. done for all the time you've known me. Yeah. And then during lockdown, I had a slight uh, beard trimming accident, which involved me just having a mustache for a while, which yeah. I've uh, sporadically gone back to. Mm. What I am now is clean shaven. Yeah. Or two days, yeah. you know, two days ago. D- they shaven. call it designer stubble. Is right? that right? Designer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> designer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and and what happened was my beard and mustache had got very bushy, so I was didn't have time to get to the barbers. Mm. I was going somewhere where I thought I need to look presentable, mm. so I started having at it with the beard trimmer, Uh-oh. and I levelled it off in such a way that I think it began to evoke the Fuhrer. And you know which Fuhrer I'm talking about, here, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought it wasn't wasn't so much the length; it was the severity. Of the lip line,
1: okay, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing
0: has had to come off, and I feel very exposed. It's a lot of face that you're looking at here.
1: And what your future plans then? Grow it all back? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. This isn't the face that needs uh, uh, needs being on display. It's a lovely face. Oh, Annabelle, stop it. Um, And that's you know that's not my only bad news. I I actually have I've had some quite terrible news this week. Go on. Our internet has been off for, for 36 hours and shows no sign of being fixed.
1: I noticed. I just tried to um, connect and I didn't want to make a fuss, but yeah, I couldn't log on. This is 36 hours.
0: It's just terrible.
1: It is terrible. What's going on?
0: I don't know. I keep going on their website and it says an estimated na- uh, time of repair. Um, and it went from being three o'clock yesterday afternoon to 11 o'clock last night to it's currently four o'clock this afternoon, but I don't feel hopeful. And I don't think the man wants to come and start tinkering in the box on the street mm. in this weather.
1: No, we won't want to. No. I saw
0: him yesterday, and he was on the phone, and he was swearing at somebody oh. down the other end of the phone. And he obviously um, locked it up for the day and thought. Oh, so I don't know, but it's, it's... so here's what we had to do last night. Ready mm. for this? Yeah, go on. Just watch the stuff that was on telly.
1: What live? Yes. No. Yeah. This is awful. Yeah, I know. What did you watch? This well, well fortunately,
0: the th- the, one of the things we're watching at the moment is The White Lotus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was on last night.
1: Uh, oh, it was, yeah. So we yeah. had to sit and wait
0: for that to start. <laughs> wait for it to start. Oh, look, it's 20 minutes of an episode of Game of Thrones I saw six years ago <laughs> while well, well, I wait for it to start. And then
1: sit through all the adverts. Yes. It's horrendous. Yeah, it
0: was, it was truly awful. Um, it does make me think, if you look at the TV ratings, a majority of people still watch television like that. Does that ring true to you? I think this, the people who give the ratings are just lying. It's too difficult to count it the other way. <laughs> what I want to know is, I mean, I know our listeners aren't a representative uh, cross-section. They'll be probably a bit more savvy and modern and technical and, and socially awkward than... A similar amount of the general public, but how many people do you think in this day and age are sitting down either with or after the tea and putting the telly on and then just watching what's on? And if they get fed up of it, seeing what's on another channel,
1: it's very alien to me. But my uncle said that that's what he does. Like of an evening, like at eight o'clock, you'll think I'll put, I went and see like look at the TV guide. He'll just put TV on, and if it's something he fancy, he'll watch it. If he doesn't, he'll turn it off. I just can't. Get how the old is he? Ninety-eight? What? Uh, Eighty.
0: Right. Is anyone beneath the age of animals? Even my dad, who is not a technical, technically savvy guy, mm. he's, he's watching all the streaming services. I don't think mm. he watches live TV beyond the soccer anymore. He's not one for strictly. I get it with those things. Mm-hmm. Events. But I just don't understand that somebody's just putting BBC One on. I know, oh, look, there's a programme about um, some people who've had to go to hospital and we've sent a camera crew with them and now here's a mild-mannered sitcom and now here's the news. And A lot of those shows d-
1: you're describing, surely no one's recording. Like No one's recording the one show. That is a show that is only there if you have yes. to flick it on. No one's recording that show. You nobody. wouldn't have thought, would you? It's, it's one way. you put TV on, TV's just on, and mm. that's what's playing.
0: It is a mystery to me. Mm, interesting. It's a mystery. But, you know, is it because I live... Uh, a privileged metropolitan <laughs> life like somebody <laughs> accused me of on twitter the other week yeah. i don't know i don't know i would love to know though um just before you arrived today i noticed that uh, king charles
1: oh yeah go on third
0: mm-hmm. has named yeah anne and edward as his stand-ins does that not just sound like nepotism to you <laughs>
1: I feel like someone's missing as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's weird that William is heir to the throne, but he doesn't get to do it. But is, would that be like letting somebody else? Would it be like letting the next Doctor be Doctor Who before it was their turn? No,
1: it's good give them to have a practice. I'd have thought. Yeah, you'd have thought so, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, a
0: bit of training on the job.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but
0: um, but no, that's it, 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 so. You mean
1: also? Do you think it's weird that?
0: He gets to name his own stand-ins. We never got that privilege on the radio, did we?
1: No, no, it was just given, yeah.
0: And one time it being been Frank Skinner and David Baddiel and being a bit scared that we'd never come back. Oh, wow. <laughs> like it was during a, a football tournament.
1: It wasn't replacing like for like, was it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call an upgrade. That
0: <laughs> I wonder if, like, if, if you do get to stand in as monarch for a week, if all the coins and all the stamps that are printed in that week... Have your face
1: on them They should
0: though Shouldn't they Don't (laughs) you think That would only be fair
1: But you'd make Everything a mess I was
0: thinking It would be a terrible Time to be a monarch Because of email And card payments The fact that Your face is on Stamps and coins And pound notes Is increasingly In irrelevance It's not
1: getting Passed around as
0: much Is it No If I I ever did Get to be monarch Either a stand in (laughs) Or full time (laughs) It's not
1: going to (laughs) happen Well I'm not going to say It's
0: going to happen Because that would be Tantamount to uh, (laughs) uh, Claiming that I was About to commit some kind of coup oh. I was going to try and uh like do an Oliver Cromwell or something which I'm not no, 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 very no. different character to me Oliver Cromwell very completely yeah. different yeah um but if, if, if just if, if I was if I did find myself as head of state I wouldn't be so worried about um stamps and coins as having those big portraits of me dra- draped from all the lampposts <laughs> that you see in dictatorships. <laughs> And they'd have to be very flattering as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, Annabelle, yes.
0: Did the uh, did the drifters hear your call? Has the inbox been flooded with stories of social ineptitude?
1: To be honest, not really. But uh-huh. you know, there's another week. <laughs> Give them another week. Before everything, I start complaining. everything runs
0: out of steam at some point. Oh, is, no. it, is it our time? I hope no, not. No, no. Okay. okay.
1: First one's from Regal Saint Drew. I'm writing this one mere moments after it happened, ruining my dritteriness.
0: Oh, wow. Because usually they say uh, tragedy plus timing equals comedy. Mm. So this, this might be a bit raw. It might be a bit too soon, Drew. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I'm currently on a train going from York to Peterborough and luckily the train started at York so I was able to board and find my reserved seat early and avoid any awkward interactions of the wrong person sitting in my seat and having to decide if I was willing to risk the ground swallowing me whole as I asked them to move. I've been on the train for an hour and it's gotten gradually busier over the past 60 minutes. Eventually a stranger sat beside me but both of us had a book and headphones which made ignoring each other simple. That is, until another man suddenly arrived and asked if we were in the correct seats because one of them was his. Now, I knew mine was correct. I checked no less than 117 times before boarding like any sensible drifter. And I relied on my unknown seat buddy to disclose they were the one in the wrong seat, which thankfully they did. It was this point I realised the man was not alone. He had a child of about two to three and the contortionist abilities he had to do to fit himself, the child and their bags onto one seat made me want to sink into mine. <laughs> now I had to contend with worrying he thought I was being rude by not giving my reserved seat to his child or my previous seat buddy thinking the same. Well, I did the only reasonable thing and I pretended I was getting off at the next stop, thinking I would sacrifice my seat for the small child and stand for the next 25 minutes until I actually get off. Not only am I now standing in the jam-packed vestibule, pressed against an unpleasant-smelling toilet, but my sacrifice was in vain. Oh, no. Someone boarding at the stop I pretended to exit has taken my seat. No. And the parent and child are still squeezed into the same seat.
0: Oh, that's terrible.
1: There should be laws against this. Yeah.
0: Somebody offered their seat to Jean on the London Underground the other day and he didn't want it. But they said, please, please take it and stood up. So Sarah sat down, which I
1: thought was... Uh, not what I would have done in the same situation.
0: I would have hissed at Jean, sit
1: <laughs> I must sit down. Sit yeah. down. No. Um, this is from Madame Laureline. Listening to emails about the extra fees that Drifter have incurred due to their drift- drifterness nature... Reminds me of the things I've had to pay for due to my driftaways. <laughs> when we bought the house, it had a chandelier that was far too low and slightly in the wrong place, weirdly offset in the hallway rather than the centre. So we were always hitting our heads on it as we walked past. <laughs> Plus, it wasn't attractive and a pain to clean. Yeah.
0: It was formerly inhabited by hobbits,
1: <laughs> <laughs> So we bought a new chandelier and it sat in the cupboard for about six years while I picked up the courage to phone an electrician. Eventually, an electrical emergency came along that overrode my preference of not calling one. And so a connection was made and thus it was much easier for me to contact him again to ask him to come along and relocate the light. He came along and I explained we wanted the old light replaced with a new one, raised and moved about a foot to the left of where it currently is. I then promptly went and hid in the basement until everything was over. He eventually asked me to approve the work. And I see that rather than move the lighting to the centre of the hall, he's just moved it further down the hallway. So it's still offset, but at least a little out of the way. So naturally, I said, that's great and paid the bill, (laughs) plus his tip. And we'll now have to pick up the courage to phone someone else to replace a large part of the ceiling. I can't have them sing. This is the second attempt at relocating the light. And hopefully this time we'll put the light in the centre of the hall. Judging by how long it's taken for the light to be replaced, that'll be another six years.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. I also love that um, we have the type of listener in Laureline that not only buys a house with a chandelier Ooh. in it, but thinks, oh, that chandelier won't do. I need a different chandelier. Oh, yes. Other other drifters take note. You please do, yeah. This, this is the calibre that, uh, <laughs> that we aspire to. Uh, please send us your story, of uh, not wanting to make a fuss, social ineptitude, all the usual bits and pieces, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com.
1: Annabelle. Yes. Another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Yes. Now, you've said before that you feel that I'm a bit secretive, a bit overly private. Mm. And I wasn't ever sure if it was entirely true. There was that time that I got held hostage by a pigeon in the greeting shop cards galore, which I hadn't mentioned. But that was because I told my then husband that and he'd been very nonplussed by my story. So against my better instinct, I thought it not worth repeating.
0: Oh my God, if you ever get asked to go on Parkinson, that should be the story
1: that you tell. (laughs) It turns out that this ex-husband was just pretty nonplussed by me in, in general. Yes. So I, I shouldn't have taken that. I should have gone with my better instincts. But I don't think I'm that secret. I'm certainly not in the same league as my aforementioned uncle, <laughs> who once on the way home from school dived into a river to save a boy from drowning. And when he got home, his uniform was soaked. But because he didn't say why, he was really told of by his mum, who only found out what happened actually a few days later, when it's a story in the local newspaper. Now he, I know it's, it's extraordinary, unbelievable, extraordinary. That story. not thinking to mention yeah, that, yeah. he went on to be an MI5 operative, which makes sense, mm. like someone both brave and low key. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd got that tap on the shoulder from Harry Pierce, like or his equivalent, after they have read that story. That would make sense to me. <laughs> it also makes me realise why I've never been recruited, because I've got the low key I'm just massively missing the brave, the brave <laughs> element. I've often wondered why I've never had that tap, but that must be it. Anyway, this is not a long preamble for me to reveal something dramatic that you don't know about me. My conversation topics are so narrow. It's pretty much down to my son, what happened in Sainsbury's and what I watched on TV. But I was with all my family recently and Tom, my partner of several years, I'm not one for anniversary, so I don't know how long. I did ask him earlier when our anniversary was and he laughed and then he looked worried and then he said, we don't have one, do we? So he's the same.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm so pathetic. Like, I'm doing, like, the day we met.
1: Oh, so nice. A wedding. You know, so nice, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll just invent some, like I make do, up yeah. some dates so we've got something to celebrate. Like the royals do with the birthday. Yeah, <laughs> when are we going to do that?
0: That's what I do if stand in royal for the week. I'd, I'd say, oh, it's my birthday, by the way. Of course, yeah. yeah. You get
1: all the first. Anyway, Tom has recently got into the Beatles. I think he's told you I, that, hasn't he? he?
0: He did text me once. Yeah, they're good. They're good, actually. <laughs> they are. They are. I he's got into them. Maybe, Seriously, if you listen to it, there's there's some great stuff in there, and um, it's it's actually quite an interesting story when you start digging yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I told him it's a bit like someone at the time of the Beatles actually being around, getting into Noel Coward. But you know, better late than never. It's nice that he's getting into them now.
0: I'm not going to tell you why that's wrong.
1: All right, then don't. You want to tell me don't so badly. To. No, 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 because
0: I, I know that you just glaze over. I know that you just take it as a, an opportunity to practice mindfulness while I talk about <laughs> the Beatles. No,
1: I want I to. Want you turn to off know. your mind,
0: relax, <laughs> and float downstream.
1: I want to know why. I want to know why it's different. So,
0: Because of cultural reverberations. So okay. basically, the, the Beatles set a template for um, – music stardom and creativity and the way music is made that in some ways the the culture today is a direct reverberation of that's not to say that Noel coward wasn't influential and and uh, you know uh, subsequent works would have would stood on his shoulders to some extent but they are still culturally um alive
1: okay okay yeah what did you call it? Cultural reverberations. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking yeah. of where I can drop that into my next conversation. <laughs> Do yeah, love yeah.
0: it. That's what's That's that's what's so fascinating about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the way that it continues, the way that it's not. Oh, it's, let's find out about that golden oldie or listen to uh, listen to that retro music. It's it's the way that. It's as, as alive in some respects. I mean, not in terms of teenagers chasing Ringo down the street. I suspect mm. that doesn't happen so much these days, <laughs> unless there is grandkids <laughs> and they want some pocket money. But um, but that, that's why something like Get Back comes out and becomes worldwide news and somebody like Tom is listening to it. There's, there's stuff you can find in it that is really relevant today
1: well that's why he's got back into that's why yeah. he's got into it because he's been watching that documentary he's been really enjoying it and he was talking to my family about the Beatles why won't
0: you talk to me about it? you've got to come over for lunch
1: I don't I don't think you'd find it very satisfying I
0: would I, w- I will find honestly any level of conversation about the Beatles I'll find interesting but
1: I mean it's going to be so basic
0: uh, but then I'll, I'll get to say oh here's an interesting thing and
1: you'll get to hear him be interested in yeah. it yeah and what will I do I'm joking <laughs> joking <laughs>
0: If you'd listened all these years, you'd be able to tell I know. Him, you'd be able no, to tell
1: no, if I had a memory all these
0: years.
1: So he was talking to my family about the Beatles and their yeah. songwriting. My mum said, Well, of course, Annabelle's written a song with Paul McCartney, hasn't she? And he said, What? Didn't you'd know. never mentioned but that. He didn't, to him. He didn't know. All <laughs> right, this is something that happened when we did the breakfast show. Paul McCartney was a guest. These are the bare facts. Paul McCartney was a guest, and we wrote a song together in real time, live on air. It was about tomatoes. Now, in my defence, because I hadn't told him, in my defence, I just assumed that he knew that he'd done his research. Like, I find it weird that you'd start going out with someone and be aware that they had a Wikipedia page and not read it. That is weird. That's weirder to me than me not mentioning it. Yes, Like, the amount of research I put into him that was a lot harder because he got a very common name and no kind of internet presence. That was hard work. Like you could do some deep googling from facts from a Facebook page, but you know that yeah, it yeah, was yeah, difficult. Yeah. The yes, stuff yes, I had to yes. find out—that's weirder than that. He's got a child with me, and didn't know probably the most interesting fact about me. After that one that I got and held hostage by a pigeon in Cards Galore.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you—if you were on
0: Parkinson the second <laughs> time, you'd mention the Paul McCartney.
1: <laughs> yeah, thing, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I'd given him the basic facts that I'd already said, the very basic facts zero interest not a single question didn't even ask to hear the song quite non-plus by all really which doesn't bode well
0: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care things to ask you about
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i know i'm putting you in a difficult position because i think what i'm basically asking you to tell me is i was in the right in both of these <laughs> okay, okay but let's see so thursday
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'd gone to our local shop
1: mm-hmm.
0: i would say my small talk in this it's not the one across the road it's the um, more supermarket like place that i go to um i would say that my small talk with the employees of this particular shop is as good as it is with anybody I, I interact with who isn't okay. a, a personal, quite a personal friend of mine. Okay, Like they've seen me, I've been going in there years. They've seen Gene go from being a baby to being an enormous six and a half year old. They're always asking about him, that, that he has fun in there. So it, it's, I just want to say that this is as good as my rapport gets when I'm moving around in the world. Mm-hmm. So take my little basket. I've told you that I'm obsessed with getting stamps on my card.
1: What, like loyalty stamps? Yeah. How are you?
0: It's, I never feel more old. I mean, that's not strictly true now that I've got cataracts, but um, <laughs> I, never, I never feel more old than when I get to the counter and I start fumbling in my wallet for my coupons, uh, my coupons yeah, <laughs> for them to stamp. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you get 10 stamps, you get £5 off.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, um, so I get to the the front, and I put my basket full of goods on the counter, and I say to the guy behind the counter, "Hello." He says, "Hello." How are you? And there's a long pause while he thinks how he is. He goes, "Well, Thursday in it."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so the 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 small talk tennis ball has been batted back to me is what I glean from that, All right? And. My riposte is, yeah. I suppose just got to get through it, and then it'll be Friday. Okay. What I want to know is whose small talk was worse in that situation. Him,
1: really? He started it. He started that. What could you possibly do? He gave me the hospital
0: pass. I was, uh, yeah.
1: What what? What could could anyone do with that?
0: Because, of course, in that situation, what happens with me is I think I'm just so bad at small talk. Somebody else would have had a great bit of banter that would have then. Given given the whole conversation, the whole interaction lift off. Whereas I managed to, there's no life in it anyway, and I did didn't defibrillate it. I just made it flatline even more, if that's possible. I'd
1: be so impressed if anyone could bring that to life. That is that is bad. Okay, I'm on your side on that one. Okay, yeah. next one.
0: Well, actually, just before I move on to the next one, I, I went in there last night, and um, I get to the front with my basket, and th- there is one young woman in there who I think Miss talk is especially bad with. Mm. So I put my basket down, and uh, I go, hello, how are things? Now, I think because I'm conscious of the way that small talk is bad, I, I tend to mumble, I don't enunciate very well, and I mumble a bit. So she says, you what? And and then she looks at her hand, and and she's looking confused at her hand. And she says, how's my finger? <laughs> So, God. so it's not only that she's misheard me; yeah. it's that that is the level of weird <laughs> icebreaker that she would expect to be from me, me to arrive at the front of the queue saying, yeah. "Hi, how's your finger?" How's your finger, <laughs>
1: God. that's bad. Yeah. Mm.
0: Anyway, I, I think the responsibility on that is possibly mine for mumbling. Mm, okay, okay. But, but I wasn't going to rush about that one. No, no. Yeah, you know, I can accept responsibility when I when I.
1: You knew the answer. I to did. That I did one. know yeah. the
0: answer. Okay. Hopefully, this is a relatable. um a relatable situation. You're at a bus stop. Mm-hmm. It's a big big bus stop in the city. This isn't uh, one of those little rural bus stops where you can take shelter from the rain and enjoy a view and be be there for 45 minutes before a bus comes. <laughs> right. I'm talking about a, an urban, urban bus stop here okay. with, with, with many buses coming and going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are probably, if I'm looking at the sign with all the bus routes on it, probably six bus routes plus the night buses. Okay. So... That's that's the bus stop. Yep, yep. So by necessity, this is a bay painted onto the road mm-hmm. that allows for a couple of buses. Right. So I'm at the stop and three buses arrive at once,
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe four even. Okay. The point being that the bus that I need to get on is outside the perimeter of the painted lines between another two or three, behind another two or three buses.
1: Gotcha. Yep, yep, yep.
0: What do you do in that situation? Oh, gosh. Do you wait? Because oh. it feels like what you should do, the rules should be yeah. you wait until the bus stop, the bus is in the bus stop to get yeah, on it. Yeah. But they just want to get the doors open and get gone.
1: It's such a good question. Because if you think, no, I'm going to wait, then there'll always be someone that goes and they open the doors and you have to do that panicky run to get on it.
0: Well, here's what happened that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we waited in the bus stop. Yeah. And we couldn't even, there were so many buses mounted up that we didn't even see that ours was there. And then eventually one of our buses comes along and doesn't open the doors. Mm. Now, to add insult to injury, it's stuck in traffic, so it's just there at the bus stop. Right. But he won't open the doors. And Sarah's doing that thing where she's mouthing to, you know, you don't say it out loud, Mm. you just mouth. All of a sudden you become like a silent film. (laughs) Um, And he will not open the doors, despite the fact that he'd only allowed passengers to board beyond the perimeter of the designated bus stop. It's a lot. You know what I did? What? She she was doing the sort of shrugging and mouthing. <laughs> <laughs> I I did what I I know to do in that situation. I got my phone out and pretended to take a picture of his number plate. No, just freaking no! out and thinking someone is going to complain about <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> he hated you. Oh yeah.
0: And the reason I did that Is I, th- I told you once I did try to do that thing Where you kind of Point at your eyes And then point at them Like I see you Oh yeah I see you I like doing that But because I'm so Kind of Not dexterous physically mm. I managed to like Point at my eyes With one finger And then point at him <laughs> With the two fingers Like that Like little antennae Yeah that's not good So I thought No Never again <laughs> Yeah why didn't I even take a real picture? <laughs> I pretend. <mean, laughs> because it
1: had been in your phone for the next six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for it's no true. Yeah. All right, Quandary Corner here at the Glap Clinic in Problematic.
1: Slightly different start to it this week.
0: Is that because we're short of quandaries and you're trying to paper over the cracks?
1: No. Okay. Well, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no is the honest answer. So, yep. do you remember last week I was talking about. Online deliveries, supermarket deliveries.
0: I do use, you because I I don't really get them. And you say that the way it works these days is they just come and put things on your doormat yeah, it's and just inside your head they put a bunch of loose items. Yeah, yeah. Inside your front door.
1: Well, they just give you. They put the crates, and then it's up to you what you do with it.
0: Right, but you can't keep the crates.
1: No. And so I was asking, like, I found it very awkward, kind of like I'd have a big pile of food behind me and I hated the fact they were waiting for you. and found mm, it really mm. awkward. But So we've got some good tips. Oh, fantastic. From emails um, this week about how to deal with it. Um, and so I thought this is the best place to share them because this is a yes. mess of quandary. The first one is from Regal Earl Nick who says, you do know you're allowed to take the crates into your kitchen and unload them, right? I did not know that. Oh. Yeah, you can take the crates into your kitchen. Joseph Gorsey, he does the same. He adds, it's a bit more awkward having someone stand at your door while you're not there. And the shop and the shopping is usually delivered when Liz and I are both at home to make it easier. So they do like a double hander <laughs> to make that easier. Lauren says, We have a neighbour who takes one crate into the house, closes the door on the delivery driver, then opens the door when they're done to swap over for the next crate and then shuts the door again. I could never do this, but it does limit chat.
0: Oh my goodness! Can
1: you imagine the confidence?
0: That's the next door to old Lord Snooty, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: She also says the best thing we found for the whole unpacking saga is IKEA bags. You can really pick up speed oh, just chucking. Oh, yes, yeah, that's
0: really good. Chuck yep, the food yep, into yep, a bag, yep, and yep. because of
1: their size, you can fit an average size weekly shop in one yes. bag. So no need for the embarrassment of trying to get another bag ready. That's great. And then this is quite exciting because Commander in Chief Paul says. I work as a delivery driver for a supermarket. Oh. And as a drifter myself, I generally have about 25-ish awkward interactions per shift. <laughs> <laughs> we, we aren't allowed to leave the crates with customers due to the cost. We have misplaced nearly a 1,000 of them already in the last six months at my branch. Even with that rule in place, wow, what's happening to them?
0: I mean, I think there should be, I said last week, there should be some kind of deposit scheme.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Where you can pay to... Keep the crates, but then if you don't return them, you've lost money. So you're incentivized to keep returning them.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. Mm. You should write to them all the supermarkets. There's a consortium of supermarkets. Is there like I'm a sure, crango
0: sure. of some sort? I'm sure.
1: A trade body. Yeah. He also says you can add a delivery note saying you will leave oh, it's interesting. You will leave reusable bags at the door. And would you mind the driver packing the shopping for you? As long as your shop isn't too big, I don't mind that. Maybe one or two crates maxed. So it could be all packed into bags before they even knock on the door. This would be quite ideal for me, Mm. but I'm not sure I'd have the nerve. The easiest way to minimise the interaction and save you double handling everything is to take the crates through to your home and put the groceries straight into the kitchen. This means that you're saving yourself extra work after the driver has left. Plus, you won't need to have awkward conversations with the driver.
0: But here's what makes me feel... So I've said before, one of the most stressful environments for me to be in Mm. is in the supermarket packing my bags as they come down the conveyor belt oh, yeah. because I'm, I'm really slow and cat-handed and I'm, it's, it's a very slow game of Tetris for me mm. and they're mounting up and I worry about the person behind me and all, all that stuff mm. and I would feel that the amount of time it would take me to unpack a crate even onto the kitchen table would make the driver next for his uh, late for his next delivery slot and I know that they're under a lot of pressure um, I'm not saying with the supermarkets, but with some of the deliveries, like a, 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 an unpleasant amount of pressure to make the slots.
1: But is there a difference between you unpacking it in the kitchen and you unpacking it in the hallway? Not really, oh, because no yeah, one's got the nerve. Yeah, and I was yeah, wondering yeah. if anyone did have the mm. nerve. No one's got the nerve to take that crate into the kitchen and start putting things in the cupboards and the fridge. Like yeah, no one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, maybe you, that you, one is
0: you, shutting the door.
1: Yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. That. yeah. You're just putting it, you're getting it as quickly as you can. Right. So I don't think there's a big difference. Okay,
0: okay, okay.
1: But, so I had an online delivery this week, yesterday mm. in fact, and so I thought I'd try out one of these, mm. and he gave me the crate. In fact, for the first time ever, he actually handed it to me, he didn't put it down, so I thought, well, I'm just going to carry it to the kitchen, seeing as it's in my hand. So I carried it to the kitchen, unloaded it, went back for the other one, same again, and then I said to him, just out of interest, which method are you preferring people use? Oh
0: no, Alava, What did you say do- that? This is a very complex <laughs> sentence to say to a stranger. I said,
1: do you prefer them to take the crates into the kitchen? Do you prefer them to unload it in the hallway? Do you prefer them, them to put it into bags? And did he-
0: you have a clipboard? <laughs> as you're asking him this question.
1: And he said, I like all of those methods. They're all fine to me. And I said, go on then, which is best? Which one is best? And he said, well, the one you did. Just being nice, wasn't he? Just he, nice.
0: he was. A, he thought you were a spy <laughs> from the supermarket checking up on how he's doing his job and what he was willing to say or not say. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I'm intrigued by this one where you leave bags out for them. I mean, should I try it next week? Could, could you dare you, me? Give it a go. Oh my god, I don't think I can do it. Leave an IKEA bag out. Yeah. Can you just put it on here for me? No, I can't do it. I wouldn't. Can, really no, to do no, it. no. So I thought it was interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, no, yeah, th- yeah. Thank
0: you to everybody who uh, who contributed. Yeah, that to was that. Great. That was really, really uh, interesting. Thank you. Was it Paul the last one who?
1: It was, yes, yeah. Paul, yeah. Okay, and here's on to the actual uh, dilemma of the week from Jack McMorrow. Ah, oh,
0: Jackie. Says, a
1: up, everyone. Yes, I miss living up north. Anyway, I have a question. My brother says A up. Does he? It's nice. Yeah, it is, yeah. I fu- in March, I fly to California to, amongst other things, once again, see many WWE shows, although I'm very tempted to also see many sites from the 12 stra- Star Trek shows and 13 films. Go for it. Do it.
0: Does he say where he's going? Which part of California he's going? Does not say. You know, um, I it was about the same time we started this podcast. The story probably features on it. Uh, I I made a rash decision to go and see the Muppets at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, yes,
1: yes. Part I
0: don't know if I ever said like part of the other, the other thing I did while I was there I was only there in, in Los Angeles for two days, and I photographed myself at as many locations from the film Pretty Woman <laughs> as I could uh, for my wife's Christmas present. Uh, like I can Christmas help. Them. <laughs> A photographs of mix. She knows that film off by heart. I mean, right, she's aware right. of its flaws, yeah, yeah which yeah. only makes it more enjoyable. So I thought I'm going to see if I can, and I, I think I pretty much managed every location.
1: But did she? What did? What was the reaction you got for it? Was it good? I can't remember now. Oh, yeah. so obviously it obviously wasn't that yeah, I've repressed it, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he says, it was an 11 and a half hour fight, flight. And when I originally booked back at the end of 2019, the event was originally in 2020, i scrimped and saved to fly in luxury as I'd never mm-hmm. done that before. I rebooked <sighs> the flights with the credit note, which Virgin Atlantic gave me after the lockdowns came into effect. Am I being a tad oversensitive or is it a bit ostentatious to travel and mention that I'm flying upper class. 2022 has been a rough year for me, recovering from ankle surgery at the start, injuring my other quite badly just a few weeks ago, both exasperated with my ataxia and certainly about my job and future. So it's nice to have something to look forward to. So I think the the question here is, it's fine that he's booked it, he's scrimped and saved it. Is it all right to mention to other people? That's what's happening. I mean, I've been telling everyone from the postman to fellow dog walkers to the supermarket cashier, but what do you think
0: when the radio station was we, we worked for was called virgin radio mm. i managed to um to to extract from somebody cuz it wasn't owned by richard branson it was just a franchise yeah. but i managed to extract from somebody uh, a contact in his office and if i would travel long haul i'd just send them an email saying oh, any chance of an upgrade and pretty much every time it it happened
1: oh, wow
0: But I didn't want to sound like a show-off going on on about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I do remember once, this must have been a few years in because it was in in the age of social media, my then-girlfriend, we were in the upper-class cabin, and I remember um, she had asked me to take a picture of her in the posh seat on her phone. And then when she wasn't looking, I, said, I posted a really gauche Facebook <laughs> post on her Facebook page saying, <laughs> so oh, yeah, just settling into oh. my upper class seat with my glass of champagne. This is the way to fly. Because she would never have done a thing like that. and She was just, like, mortified by it and deleted it immediately. Well, but it. I think we'd been up in the, you know, it was an eight-hour flight. So
1: Imagine, like, did you tell her, like, just as you were taken off and then she couldn't think do so, yeah. anything yeah. about yeah. it yeah. for the next yeah. 10 I said, hours? think so, yeah. look at this, yeah. Oh, that's so It's mean. a horrible
0: practical joke, isn't it? It is. Yep. Um and you know jack i like and I, I, I know jack
1: he's a nice guy uh,
0: and you know he's, he's had a, a time of it everyone's had a time of it and and jack especially and, and i know um as and you deserve and like, you, what you aren't jack is one of these people swanning all about in first class cabins ruining the environment this is a little thing you did for yourself yeah after um you know, a, a, a rough time, and I, I think you deserve it. And I, I also think that anyone who knows Jack knows he's not that guy yeah. who would be gauche. And there's a ways of it. saying it.
1: Yeah. Like, guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think the the only way to talk about being in the first class end of the or the you know pointy end of the plane is by. um is by talking about as if, as if you were that kid that was taken to the North Pole by the snowman and you met Santa, that you've got to have wide-eyed wonder. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think
0: you've always got to experience with that wide-eyed wonder as well and not become blase about it. But I will warn you, Jack, and I say, again, I speak from some experience here, you've opened a Pandora's box huh? mm. Because I don't, I don't know your circumstances, but um, I, I certainly went from circumstances where I had this email address and was able to get upgrades on a – regular basis mm. to having neither the sway nor the financial means to do that anymore mm. and it's like the james song sit down says if i hadn't seen such riches i could live with being poor uh, every time i sit down in my little economy seat i i feel unhappy
1: you know what's going on you know what it's like yeah you know, I know how what's much going behind that little curtain yeah, what yeah. it's
0: happening yeah so you
1: can say that i
0: just to be clear here we're talking about long haul flights on it's, it's a complete scam on short haul yeah, flights. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it, it, it's it, 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 Basically, people who do it on short haul flights are doing it because they don't want to queue quite as much, and they want to feel like they're it. <laughs> they want to feel superior. <laughs>
1: but then, you know what? That could be a way of saying it. You could say, "Guess what? I'm flying first class," which is going to be brilliant. But it has ruined every other flight for me because I'm never be able to afford it again. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah,
0: great. Good. We've sorted that. Yeah. Uh, if you have a quandary. Um, and you'd like us to address it in Quandary Corner, email us. It's hello at com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. Thank you, by the way, if you support us on Patreon, our revamped Patreon offering um, as a thank you to you for sticking with us. Uh, if, if indeed you have through these uh, last uh, couple of years with the pandemic and lockdowns and, and so on, uh, we have everything. We're giving everything to anyone who supports us at $2 a month or higher until the end of the year. And then plenty of stuff in uh, tears beyond that and we really appreciate you supporting us of course the podcast always free you're always going to get it for free uh, if you want to support us um, on Patreon then we'll hopefully make that worth your while and give you give you some extra things as well as the satisfaction of uh, saying thank you to us for the uh, for the inane nonsense that we provide for you on an almost weekly basis so it's more weeks a year than we used to do when we were on the radio isn't oh it? way more yeah it's like it's like, it's like 10 weeks holiday point. Oh, it's a lot oh, god yeah. um So, yeah, patreon.com stroke adrift. Please, as Annabelle was saying before, old Mother Hubbard over there, the cupboard is a little bare, uh, with the stories of failed social interactions, bumbling, blurting things out, um, not quite managing to pass as a human. Um, This is what we want from you, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Oh, and quick question. Mm. How's your finger? <laughs> oh, my spirit just soared a little when I saw who this podcast is for. It's for uh, Fiona Hermans, who's been with us a long time, who says Greetings, Annabelle and Jeff. Greetings. Greetings. Um, I very much hope you're both doing splendidly. I apologise in advance for the length of this email. I'd like to make a publication request to my lovely husband, Ramesses D'Souza.
1: Got another great name. Ramesses
0: Colossus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the best environment for it as he shies away from overt praise. So keeping it contained within the Adrift community is best all around. 2012 was the most chaotic year of my otherwise pleasantly boring life to date. That's what I aspire to. That ship sailed, does not it? Early in the year, I'd left my marriage and the only real relationship I'd ever been in. A series of bad decisions and messy circumstances later, I found myself starting over at 29 in a city that was still somewhat new to me as I'd moved to Victoria from Edmonton only two years previously. I also lost my job that autumn, which was for the best, but emotionally devastating at the time. Between looking for jobs, I decided to approach dating as a skill I needed to build, which, as a drifter, was a horrifying prospect, but necessary. I made a surprisingly honest online dating profile. Near the end of October, I received a well-written and very polite message from someone asking me what I'd cooked lately and asking me about my interest in typography. A few messages back and forth later, we agreed to meet downtown for a pot of tea and a chat. Ramesses and I met up that 3rd of November, and it was the easiest conversation I've ever had with a stranger in my life, which was so pleasantly surprising. It turned out that he was also a very recent transplant from Edmonton, having moved here to study for his PhD in geology. We talked about food and fonts, we both enjoy a good futura, Jeff, mm. as, as I do. I mm. oh, thought, let me tell you something, Fiona. Do you know what I like these days? And I I'm a bit scared. I feel a bit vulnerable, basically, admitting this. Mm. I've, I've become quite attached to wingdings. Not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've become quite attached to Avenir.
1: Oh, it's a nice one. It's quite narrow, that one, isn't it? It is narrow, yeah, very narrow but no, it, it nice. feels like
0: there's a lot of air in what you've written.
1: Yeah,
0: nice. Anyway, for the body of an email I'm talking about. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we had such a nice chat that I was surprised when our time was up and he had to leave due to a prior engagement. As we continued to go on more dates and get closer over the next few months, Ramesses was so patient and kind, and honestly, just a wonderful friend, while I worked through all my baggage from my shambolic year. We introduced each other to so many new things that it didn't take very it didn't take very long before I realized I wanted us to be in each other's lives for a very long time. Long story short, we got married in 2018 and have unintentionally put down roots in Victoria, a place neither of us expected to stay long term. Just before the pandemic, we finally acquired a cat, which was something we both desperately wanted for quite some time. Rafi is mostly a very good boy, very good boy. It says see attached photo, but I don't think you forwarded from. Oh, sorry. It's oh. okay.
1: I'd get it out, but we've got no internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's sorry. So, so
0: annoying, isn't it? Um... Sorry, I've lost my place looking for the picture of the cat. Um, and he's more chatty and social than both of us combined. Did I say that already? I think I did. Anyway, I can't state how wonderful Ramesses is as a person. He is truly the, Sorry, He truly is the loveliest man I've ever met, and I'm grateful every day that we're together. He is thoughtful and attentive and brings so much dependable joy to my life. We don't have the energy for kids ourselves, but watching him interact with our niece and three nephews warms my heart, and I look forward to them being old enough that we can all go on adventures to look at cool rocks together. I want him to know that I think the absolute world of him, and I can't and don't want to imagine my life without him and Rafi in it. These last 10 years have certainly had their trying times for both of us, but I think we make a pretty good team, and that's made the rougher stuff much easier to navigate. He intentionally makes my life easier in both big and small ways, and I love him for that, and so much more. I only hope he doesn't mind me gushing about him on your podcast. I hope you don't either, Rameses. I've had like so little interactions with Rameses, and just you know, there are just some people who everything about them screams good egg. That's Rameses. Uh, thanks as well to the both of you, Jeff and Annabelle, for giving me something, just in case Rameses wasn't feeling, you know, um, loved enough (laughs) i I, I, wanted to add my two penneth worth and you know never mind what fiona thinks my (laughs) life partner but what does jeff think that's
1: what it was thanks as well
0: to both of you jeff and annabelle for giving me something else to talk to rameses about in those early days I told him about your radio show, and he was on board almost immediately. Yet oh, another sign that he was a good egg. Yes, I'm most certainly the luckiest person I know. So thank you for allowing me the time and space to share that. Keep up the good work.
1: That's funny that she used the expression "good egg," and so did you. I
0: know. I wonder if, like, I subconsciously uh, read ahead. I wonder. Maybe, maybe. Um, I am. Um, I enjoy knowing that the two of you are out there with each other, and now Raffi. Yeah, that's a lovely thing. So, uh, so there we go, Fiona paying tribute to the wonderful Ramesses. Colossus. You know, that was some song I heard like in the 90s, which went, Ramesses, Colossus, and it stuck in my head. So every time I say his name in my head, it goes, Colossus.
1: It's one of those things that's just become something you say. Yeah, yeah, than, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking about where it came from. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you explained it, though, for someone who might not have heard it before.
0: Yes, although I'm pretty sure everybody will have done it at this point. Uh, all right. Uh, send us your podcast, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hold up.